0: You're listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. I'm so excited to have you with us today. We're going to talk about mocktails. Like all of a sudden, I'm I'm seeing mocktails all over the place. I'm confused by this. So uh, I brought someone in that can help us out with that. I have an author with me, Diana Lacausi, and she is the author of Mocktail Party. Well, she sounds like a fun person to be with. She's a registered dietitian with a master's in nutrition science from Tufts Friedman School of Nutrition. And she became very passionate about this topic and wrote this book, And actually, this is her second book. So we are going to um, welcome her to Spot On and find out what is the story about Mocktail. And first of all, why did you write this book? So Diana, welcome to Spot On. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I love this. So I love this book mocktail party and to all the listeners of spot on i'm going to take a picture of her book it's fabulous i have it with me and i'm going to put it on the spot on uh facebook page and a link to it because i know after we talk to diana you're going to want to go out and get it so first let's talk let's go let's go way
1: back so why did you write this book Oh, yeah. Great question. So it all really started back in 2009 um, when my co-author and I, who is my really good friend, Carrie Benson, we both went to Tufts together. We got our master's in nutrition together there. But we became very passionate about empowering women to have healthy pregnancies without, um, without alcohol. We noticed a huge gap in the market. Or there weren't really any books that were for pregnant women that offered them non-alcoholic drink alternatives that were also healthy, you know, healthy for the mom and healthy for the baby. So we had a really amazing opportunity where we were able to co-author this book together called Drinking for Two Nutritious Mocktails for the Mom-to-be. I, I just want to tell you something. This is you are so smart, and
0: and you know I, I when people when you say things like this, I say, well, why didn't I come up with that idea? You know, for our spot on listeners, uh, when you know, again, you know, I teach here at Boston University, and you know, I always say to my class when I'm teaching when we get to life cycle is okay. So, what is the safe amount of alcohol that women can drink when they're pregnant? What is that again? And they all put up their little, okay, zero. The yes. answer is zero. Exactly. Is and so, so you know, here, but you say zero is safe. But the, hello, it, it's nine months. And it's a long nine months. Trust me, because I did it twice. And so what a great idea. So you wrote the book about how mocktails that they can enjoy is while they're pregnant. Brilliant,
1: brilliant. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and it was specifically for pregnant women um, because we a lot of those mocktails had ingre- ingredients that would actually alleviate common pregnancy symptoms. So we use like ginger in some recipes to help with nausea and morning sickness. We use coconut water, which you know has a lot of electrolytes to help replenish um, fluids and electrolytes from maybe vomiting from morning sickness. We used very specific ingredients to help um, pregnant women. But that book did really well. It's uh, resonated with that population. And um, this mocktail movement, the sober curious trend has just really taken off. And our publisher asked us to write another mocktail book. Um, because there was just such a growing demand for mocktails, but a mocktail book that wasn't just specific for a pregnant woman this time, one that w- could appeal to all audiences. And that's how uh, Mocktail Party was born. And it contains 75 healthy and plant based mocktail recipes uh, for every occasion. Okay. So, so again, what
0: give us your definition? What's a mocktail?
1: Uh, yeah. So a mocktail is basically. It's a drink that is meant to replicate a cocktail just without the alcohol. So it it's meant to give you that similar experience as if you were drinking a cocktail, but of course, without the booze. Um, and it's usually some sort of combination of sodas, juices, fruit herbs, syrups. I've seen even botanicals in there um, just to create very unique flavor profiles. And I've seen mocktails that are just virgin counterparts of alcoholic drinks. So like a virgin margarita, virgin Bloody Mary. But there's others, especially now that are just so completely unique and flavorful. Um, and I guess ultimately... They're just beverages that should be enjoyed and savored just like you would a cocktail, but you get the added bonus of not having to deal with the alcohol. You know, you know, it's so funny, Diana,
0: because, you know, I, I love wine. I'm Italian and I love wine, but I don't like hard liquor. So I'm the one that when we go out for brunch, I'm getting, I, I've been doing this for a hundred years. I'll take a Virgin Mary, please. And so I didn't realize that I I may have been the reason to start this whole mocktail trend it could have been me yeah you know what I mean it could have been you because I've been doing this I've been doing and I know where the best Virgin Marys are all over Boston and and so when you think about it I was like isn't that interesting because that was something I've been doing and now it's a big hit so so why why now all of a sudden do people you know
1: mocktails versus drinks with alcohol in them uh, so I really think there there's a few different reasons. I think the health and wellness movement has really been a catalyst for this mocktail movement because, you know, mocktails are a way to to reduce your alcohol intake. And by doing so, you're get, gaining a lot of health benefits. And I also think dry January has been a big catalyst for this movement as well. Um, and the sober curious movement it started back in 2013 in the UK as a campaign to normalize not drinking and just provide people with an opportunity to really experiment without alcohol. And I believe it started with about 5,000 participants. And right now it's hundreds of thousands of participants who actually, actually register for the campaign. So that doesn't even include the millions of people who who post about it or talk about it or do it and don't actually officially register. So it that's really helped fuel the sober curious movement and this mocktail movement. Um, people are just are are drinking more mocktails as a healthy life choice to go back on their alcohol intake. I I think
0: I think it's fabulous and you know I I love the word trend because boy this is a pretty healthy trend. You know that people can do because you know we we did We did an episode, Diana, and and I'm sure you've listened to it. Uh, It was did we drink our way through the pandemic, and oh, Diana, I'm telling you. And we had this wonderful researcher on from Boston University School of Public Health. If you have not listened to this seriously, or anybody that's um, our listeners, you have to go. This is an in season um, six, but you have to listen to this. It is amazing what happened during the pandemic. So. It's strangely, you know, we have that episode up and then I started seeing more and more of these mocktails. I said, wow, this is so interesting. And that's why I brought you on. So a perfect time. You talk about having dry January, and that means that basically you, you don't drink any alcohol for the month of January, correct? Correct. Exactly. Right. And this it did start in the UK, but it's really becoming more popular here that this is kind of like challenge. In fact, uh, they now have Sober October. Have you
1: ever heard of this? Oh, yeah. Sober October, um, dry July, no drink November. There's so- oh, for goodness <laughs> sakes, no drink. Don't, this is great. And it really is. Yes. How,
0: how about don't December? All right, something oh, like that. You know, I love we'll that. just keep this
1: going. Yes, yeah. that's that's really great. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one for every month in a few years.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's great because then it could be something you could say, you know, if you're out with friends and they all want a drink, you could just say, well, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's dry January. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm doing the dry January challenge and be enough with it. So, interestingly, you know, uh, you often hear that you know, uh, you know, people socialize a lot, you know, in bars and activities or events. You know, you're watching a a football game on Sunday Uh, and look at Super Bowl Sunday as such. You know, everybody's drinking. So, what do you think this? sober curious movement is, so so i, I it, this is really interesting too, which obviously feeds into the mocktail that's the bigger thing is that everybody is more sober curious so it's,
1: can you explain what that is yeah, so it was originally coined by Ruby Warrington, so she wrote the book sober Curious," and in her book um She talks about Sober Curious as being a way to to rethink your relationship with alcohol. And she explains a lot of the great benefits that come from abstaining from alcohol. And with these movements like Dry Journey, Sober Curious, it's really, um, again, been that catalyst for the Sober Curious movement. It's provided a place for people to really just rethink their own relationship um, with alcohol and be open to include other options in place of alcohol, so mocktails, and and then just being more thoughtful, more mindful, more intentional about how and when and why why people drink. Absolutely. And there's a lot of reasons why people drink and a lot of it is just habit.
0: And you know, and, and I think when people drink alcohol, a lot of times it's the crowd you run with. Like you assume that everybody's drinking alcohol, but no, you probably gravitate to people that like to drink a lot of alcohol, or, or you're drinking, and then you probably when you think about it. But I do have friends that don't. You know, what I mean, so it's it becomes like a part of your environment and who you're attracted to. The, what I found when I was doing my homework for this, which I thought was really interesting, that the sober curious tend to be the younger generations, and I found that like you always think, oh, when you you know you're young and you turn twenty one and you, you know, you're out drinking and you go to college and you're drinking. I found, I read that um, Gen Zs are, and millennials are more
1: sober conscious. I, I'm, I'm sober curious, I
0: should say. So explain that to me. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great shift that we're seeing. And a lot of the reasons why they cite um, for imbibing less is they just, they have health concerns. Now, there's more and more research showing the negative effects of alcohol intake on our health. Um, so they're citing those health concerns. They're you know, it's it's expensive to to go out. So they're they're citing those costs associated with going out and be and they'd rather do other activities than go out. I think in our society, um, a lot of going out involves drinking, unfortunately. And they're they're finding other ways to socialize without including alcohol. And there's just a diminished appeal, too. They cited that as being a reason. I think they're just this new generation doesn't want to deal with hangovers. Um And, which is great, you know, it's, it's time to move on, you know, hangovers are just terrible. And, um, but ultimately I really do think the health component is a big, big part of it. Right. I,
0: I think it's fabulous. I think it's absolutely fabulous. And, you know, there's a lot of calories in alcoholic beverages, uh, you know, and, you know, if you do like even a rum and Coke or something like any, any combo, you have the, the calories from the alcohol, then you have the calories from wherever you're mixing it with. You know, I always say, watch those drinks that come with little umbrellas in them, because, you know, those things can mimic a meal, you know, you know, my goodness gracious, in calories, you know, six, seven, 800 calories and such. So it really, really adds up. And, and, and you know, a hangover is, is I always say to my students that a hangover is your body's way of saying to you, don't do that to me again, Okay. And I'm going to make you suffer, and you know. So what you've been drinking or over drinking on a Saturday night not only ruins Sunday, but could possibly ruin part of Monday. And so, what, you're right. I when people are saying, you know, is it worth it? You know, what am I really? What am I benefited is? And I can just have as much fun without, you know, going in and and having alcohol. In fact, I'm seeing this. Like I love to dine out now that we can get back there, and I love looking at the wine list and then you look at the beer list and that's like a whole other thing It's 8,000 beers now but then that you'd have the mocktail list which is like I think that's I mean it's amazing like a whole list of these kinds of mocktails
1: and so are you seeing this too in restaurants? Oh yeah Uh, it's been so fun to see all these new mocktails pop up on on restaurants menus Um, and I've been seeing more non-alcoholic beer has been added to menus as well. And there's just um, been an explosion of just alcohol-free drinks um, that are available on the market. And there's even companies that will deliver them to your door. Just like just non-alcoholic markets of products.
0: Can you talk about this? Because I read into this too. This is a huge new product a whole new thing. So what are some of the, you know, more popular non-alcoholic beverages that people are looking to?
1: Um, so athletic brewing has been making a huge, um, impact in the non-alcoholic beer space. So they, they taste delicious. It's kind of crazy how close it tastes to an actual beer. Um, but um, they, they're they great. they I've seen their beers everywhere in most liquor stores. I live in Colorado, so I think there's definitely more options here in, in Boulder. But at almost every liquor store that I go into, I see a ton of non-alcoholic beer options. And then, you know, there's tons of alcohol-free spirits now. So uh, tons of them from ones that are like just a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit, like um, Seedlip is a very popular one that I see a lot. And a lot of uh, liquor stores, wow. (laughs) Liquor stores are carrying Seedlip. I see them everywhere now too. Yeah, so it's just, it's supposed to be a replacement for any kind of liquor really.
0: Right, because people like that taste. Like I like the taste of wine, so that's interesting.
1: So you can get that taste, like a you know gin and tonic without the gin. But yeah, and I actually just tried a tequila, an alcohol-free tequila called Free Spirit, and it was uh, very, very good. So if you're looking for a, yeah, it's it was delicious. And I actually made it. Um, I added it to one of my mocktail recipes in my book, Mocktail Party. We have a sour margarita, and I added it to that, and I it tasted just like a margarita. That's
0: great. You know something? We're going to put a list up on uh, the spot on Facebook page of all these alternative beers and spirits. This way you have the names that you want to, uh, you know, look into it. And when you next time when you're 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 in this, I would imagine it's in the supermarket soon to be because it doesn't have liquor in it. So the, you, know, you don't have to necessarily go to a liquor store to get it.
1: Exactly. I bet you they'll start popping up there. I've definitely seen the Heineken Zeros too. I've seen those at the grocery store. <laughs> Great, great. Do you do you know?
0: Um, I didn't pay attention to this, but do you know that if you if you get a mocktail in in a restaurant, are they the same price as the alcohol version? In other words, is my Virgin
1: Mary the same price
0: as uh,
1: a regular Bloody Mary? So I guess the, the it really depends. So if you're ordering, I would say just a virgin version of a cocktail, like a Virgin Bloody Mary, it may be cheaper because in that case you're just omitting the alcohol. But um, a lot of mocktails that are created by bartenders, mixologists, they still can be pretty pricey or, you know, the same price as an alcoholic beverage, a cocktail, uh, because they, you know, they're trying to, they're adding all these flavors. They're using ingredients like tonics, juices, bitters, herbs, which can contribute to the price tag. And and then if they're using a non-alcoholic spirit like like Seedlip, for example, you know, a bottle of Seedlip is still... It's still going to be pricey. I think it costs like thirty six dollars. So they still need to charge you to to cover their expenses. That's very very
0: interesting, Diana, if you said, because you're right. A Virgin Mary. We're just doing the you know tomato juice or the vegetable juice and everything and throwing in some you know, a celery stick and some olives, you know, lemon. But you're right. But if they're going to start using these, you know, uh, liquor alternatives, that's going to cost money. So you're right. It's probably not, the price is probably going to be the same, if not more, because they, they have to get that flavor in there. Right. So in this, I can't wait for Spot On listeners to get this book and, and look at it. And the reason why I, I'm chuckling into in here, because she she and her author here came up with adorable names, like the block Black, Blackberry Mint Mocktail Mule, and it, and it has it in one of those, like, you know, mule cups. Noble Bloody, I love that. Noble, I was a, that's the Virgin Mary, I love that one. And Pain-Free Pineapple, which <laughs> I, <laughs> This is great. You must have had a ball creating these recipes and then coming up uh, even better than the names to go with them. But, you know, a lot of people, uh, not only are they... Um, you know, concerned about alcohol. They're also concerned about added sugars. So tell me about your uh, mocktails
1: here. Do they have a lot of um, added sugars in them? So as dietitians, that's something we definitely wanted to keep to a minimum. Um, so we try to use whole fruits as much as possible whenever we could for our mocktails. So for example, our, um, we have a mosquito, which is flavored with whole fruit. So it's, we use berries to actually contribute to the sweetness of it. Um, And we do that with several other ones, especially frozen drinks, you know, it's so easy to just blend up some frozen fruit. And we even sneak in some vegetables in some of our mocktails too, um, just to try to maximize the nutrients in there. Uh, But then on other, in, in other mocktails, we do use, there are some instances where we have to rely on some other more simple sugar, so we do use agave or honey or um I think molasses is one that we've used. But again, we are very mindful of the amounts and we usually um compare to some mocktails that you might find at a bar, um, they contain significantly less sugar.
0: Right, right. And you have to remember, too, is the fact that you are taking the alcohol out. So uh, you're you're ahead of the game caloric-wise and for multiple, multiple reasons, way ahead of the game. So even if it's a little bit of added sugar, you're still ahead of the game versus the alcoholic beverage. So, uh, you know, in other words, don't worry about them. But these recipes are just absolutely, you know, fabulous. And, um, I, I, you know, I think it, it's giving me incentive, you know, uh, to when I have guests over to start having an option, you know, I'm gonna have wine. I may have beer, but I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with your book, and I'm gonna take out a couple of these cute little uh, mocktails, and I'm gonna make them up and see what happens. You know, and see you know what the, uh, the the people enjoy. And you know, something I think we're onto a trend. But I think if we could all embrace it and just have it as an option, just like they there are now an option at, at bars and there's options at restaurants. I think it's it's um, a fabulous way to moderate your alcohol intake, especially coming out of this pandemic where our intake went up. So I think this is like a great, um, you know, transition back. Now, you
1: yourself, you have decided you are just a mock girl. That's it. Yeah, so I so same sort of thing happened to me during the pandemic. I just found myself drinking more. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to do. We were stuck inside and I was having more than the recommended amounts of alcohol. Like I definitely was having more than five ounces of wine at a time, which is pretty easy to to overdo. You know, think about it. Five ounces of wine is not that much. And for the most part, when we pour ourselves a glass of wine, it's usually more than that.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I want everybody to go in when they get off. Not now because listen to the episode, but when you stop the when the episode is over, go in and measure your wine glass. Yeah. Or your beer glass, whatever you put it in. And you know, just fill it with where you fill it with water and then go measure how much is in there. And you are correct, Miss Diana, that that nowadays you can get wine glasses that look like you know, that that hold you know, eighteen, twenty ounces. (laughs) You know, so even if you uh, fill it halfway, which is, we also do that with wine, let it breathe. uh, We're talking, you know, a serving is five ounces, but you may be drinking eight to 10 ounces and that's not a, no longer a serving. So I totally get it. I totally get it.
1: Yeah. So I was definitely drinking more than usual during the pandemic. And at that time, we were also writing Mocktail Party, um, this book, and we did the whole first chapter of mocktail party is about why move over to mocktails. And we talk about some of the research behind the negative health effects that alcohol can have. And so just kind of being exposed to that nutrition, to that research, and then also feeling like I was imbibing a little too much, I decided to do a dry month, I actually just picked a random month. (laughs) Um, I think it was August, and I decided just to, to give up alcohol for that month. And I loved how I felt afterwards that I just kept going. And I've been pretty much alcohol free ever since I did have a glass of champagne at my wedding, but alcohol just hasn't it, it's not a really big part of my life anymore at all. Um, and with all the options that are out there, I find it just so much easier to to be able to socialize and not dr- have to drink alcohol.
0: And, and, and enjoy your next day. Enjoy yes. sleep better. And there's so many health benefits. And we talked about this on that that episode. Um, I did you drink your way through the pandemic? So there is the the benefit of this, uh, you know, sleep. Your skin looks better. The calories that you're no longer consuming. Your energy level. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So um uh, I have to tell you that if you are interested in uh, you're doing you know, Dry January or uh, Alcohol free February, whatever it is, we can we can have twelve of these if you want. You need to get a copy of this mocktail party that was written by um, Diana Lacalcy. Leca- and so it is really, really uh, unbelievably fun, fun book. Uh, fun recipes in this and really give you to accept, uh, you know, an easy way to sort of moderate, you know, maybe the amount of alcohol you're coming in. I'm gonna sample my way through this uh, book that you wrote and I'm gonna share it with a lot of my friends and I'm sharing it right now with all my Spot On listeners. So with that, Miss Diana, I wanna thank you so much for coming on Spot On.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.
0: Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our spot on Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salge Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?